That being said, I'll have you turn to Luke chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 1 through 13. You can also find this this um, parallels also in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1. Um, but uh, Luke gives us the fullest account here, so that's what we'll be reading from Luke. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Sorry. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they shall bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's read the word. You may be seated. Now, temptation is kind of like flu season a little bit. It's dangerous. It, it could be de deadly without the uh, proper uh, precautions. You know, I think most of us, as we go through this year, some of us get the flu vaccine. Others of us will, will try to make sure that we wash our hands thoroughly. Do, do those things that, that you need to, to avoid catching those germs. Um, but, but this is uh, one of those things that if we think about it, you know, we could parallel this uh, with our fight with the devil. You know, he desires to tempt us. He desires to get us to, uh, to fall. You know, well, whether, you know, we want to call him the devil, the serpent, the roaring lion. He, he has one purpose in mind, and that is to devour us. And he, he, he looks at you as an enemy. Why? Because you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. His war is not really against you. You, you get, get to be a pawn in his game against God. He, he wants to bring God down. He, he wants to ascend God's throne. And he cannot do that. He, he has already lost in, in that pursuit. But what he can do is he can bring as many of us down to, to bring God's sorrow as he can. And that's what he desires to do. I want us to, to think about this a little bit. When you get that flu vaccine, did anybody here get the vaccine this year? You know, I hope there's a few, few of us here that, that, that took that precaution. But, you know, that vaccine only guards against about 30% of the flu strains that are out there. What the, the medical world does is they, they analyze and try to guesstimate which strain is going to be the most severe for the next year, and that is the vaccines that they send out. And they're usually right. This year, not so much. You know, but we're, we're thankful that God has given them that wisdom to, to help avoid this. But I, I want us to realize that God has given us a vaccination that is far more effective for the devil's temptations, and that is the Word of God. You'll, you'll notice one, one thing. How does Jesus beat back Satan in these temptations. The Word of God. You know, you, you should know, you should know the, the Word. You know, I don't expect you to know the Word as well as the Word knows the Word. You know, we, we could have a fun, fun, fun there with Jesus' titles. But understand, with, 
with Satan, he he desires to bring us down, and it is the word of God that that we can that we can rely on. And if you were to do a study of everything Jesus is to say in the New Testament, of the things that he quotes from the Old Testament, what book do you think he quotes most from? What's that? Revelation? Well, that's in the New Testament. So, we <laughs> What is it that Jesus quotes most? It's that grand book we all love called Deuteronomy. Anybody sit through Deuteronomy and like, man, this, this book has just got me on fire today. It is still the Word of God, and we see that Deuteronomy, while a lot of us will read through it, and usually you've gone like this. You've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, which Deuteronomy is a word. It means, you know, re- repeating. It's repeating the laws that have been stated in the first four books. But it is the summary of the first four books. It's kind of Moses's, you know, grand conclusion to to what God has told him. And so we see over and over again that Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy more than any other book, especially when dealing with people who are against God's will. And so I I would encourage you to to know the Bible as best as God has given you that ability. You all have that ability. If you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You all have the ability to, to know and to study the Word of God. Just a real quick background from last week. We saw Jesus, what? He was baptized by John the Baptist. And we have John saying, I am not worthy to baptize you. And he's right. He was not worthy to baptize. But Jesus said, we do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then we we read straight away that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And he fasts for 40 days. Now, most of us have never come close to this kind of fast. The scripture does tell us what kind of fast it is. He does not eat for 40 days. Medically, we know at day 21, your body will start to shut down and, and eat itself to, to survive. So Jesus, w- without doubt here, is extremely hungry when, when Satan approaches him. And so what, what is the first temptation that we, we see Satan? He says, he comes alongside Jesus, and he says, take these stones and turn them into bread. Now that seems like something that would be hard for you and I to do. I've never told a stone to turn to bread, and I doubt it would if I did. But for Jesus, he could have done that. You know, understand clearly that this, this temptation is a very real one. He is very hungry, and he, he speaks things into existence. He could tell stone to become a loaf of bread, and it would become a loaf of bread. We'll see later on through his many miracles. But I, I would also have us ponder, ponder this as we're looking at these temptations. Why does Satan just now start to tempt Jesus Christ? Jesus is 30. From from scriptures, we we could detect that his age is about 30 years old. So what what was Satan those first 30 years? We know when Jesus is a young boy, he tries to what? He tries to have Jesus killed. So I, I, I would have us imagine Satan knows the Son in heaven. He knows the one who has been God from the beginning. But Satan does not know the Son of God as Jesus Christ. He does not know the one who has, be- who has descended now from heaven and is put on flesh. How does Satan learn who the Messiah is? The same way we all do through John the Baptist when, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God! Light bulb goes off in Satan's head and he says, That is the man, I have to bring him down. Why? Because 
That is the one man that can destroy Satan. The one man that has the authority to take away Satan's authority, to remove his power over the earth, to dethrone him, and to cast him into hell forever. We'll see from this point on that, that Satan looks for opportunities to test Jesus. He looks for opportunities to kill Jesus. Because he has one goal. He does not want Jesus going to that cross. He does not want Jesus dying for our sins. He does not want Jesus to be resurrected so that we may have absolute hope that Jesus will be at the right hand of God and that he will descend once more and establish his kingdom. Satan is at war. Satan is at war with us. Why? Because we are representatives of Jesus Christ on this earth. Satan can no longer go and and approach Jesus and try to have him killed. Jesus is now in his glorified body and he he will never die ever again. So I want want you to think about that as as Satan goes about. I've, I've heard a few different people say that our church is under siege. And I say, Amen. Let the devil bring it on. It's a good thing to be under siege. That means you're doing something right. That means the devil is afraid. And he should be. Now, he's not afraid of me or you individually, but he's afraid of the one living inside of you. You have the power by by praying in Jesus' name to cast out his demons. You have the power to, to make him flee. But what attracts the devil like a magnet? It's sin. Temptation. So when we see Jesus beating back these temptations, we must do so ourselves. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're, we're leaving a calling card, inviting the devil in and saying, oh, you, this is my weakness. Here it is. Come and tempt me. We as a church need to be strong. We as a people need to be strong. And so when, when we see this, this first passage here, I'll, I'll read it again. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answers, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy 8.3 now. This is where Jesus is getting this. And, and you'll notice always with Satan, what does he do? He is a profound liar, but he's not a stupid liar. He mixed truth with error all the time because it sounds good to our ears. It sounds good. So from Deuteronomy 8.3, And he humbled you and let, let you hunger and fed you manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus is in the wilderness 40 days. The people of Israel should have only been in the wilderness for 40 days. They were to learn a lesson and their heart was being revealed to God if they would follow after God or follow after their own selfish desires. The people of Israel, when they were free from Egypt, they failed. And so 40 days became 40 years. It does not need to be so in our walk with the Lord. When we go through those times of temptations by the devil, we resist the devil and he will flee from us. That's what we're told in Peter, that the devil will flee from us. But we have to resist him. We don't, have to, we don't need to give him opportunities to come in. And so when we read this, we see Jesus answering back the, the devil's twisted scripture with the true scripture. It says, man should not live by bread alone. This is a lesson learned in Deuteronomy. This is a lesson learned in Exodus when the people were leaving, leaving Egypt, when they were free on that night of the Passover. 
It all ties back. The Passover points you to Jesus Christ. And now here we have Satan trying to tempt, trying to get Jesus to sin. Because if he could succeed in this one moment over Jesus, he wins. That means Jesus would be a sinner, and then the death on the cross would only cover his own sins, not yours. Think about that. What Jesus had to go through, what he had to resist. Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man. Scriptures, Hebrews declares that he was tempted just as each and every one of us is tempted. But he did not give in, so therefore we have hope to know that we do not have to give in. We do not have to give in. We do not have to sin. And when we do sin, we have hope because God is faithful to forgive our sins. Amen? So let's think about this a little bit. What was Satan, the point of Satan's first temptation? What was he trying to, to get Jesus to do, to go against, that would be considered a sin? Surely it's not a sin to want to feed yourself to want to provide for your own body. That's very a very natural instinct that God has given to, to all of his creation. You see, the plants will, will turn and twist to get the most sunlight. And the animals will, will search for food. We as humans, we do not try to starve ourselves for no reason. Jesus was doing a fast. So, so what is wrong with Jesus turning these stones into bread? Simple fact is, it was not the Father's will. The Father's will for him at this point in time was to be fasting. It is not wrong to feed yourself, but if God has told you to fast and you are now disobeying God, therefore it becomes a sin. And so the first line of attack, and, and you'll notice this line of attack the devil uses over and over and over again. He uses it on you. He may not be telling you to turn these stones into bread, but he's getting trying to pull you away just just get you off course just enough where you're not really following God's will. Or maybe you, you, this is something that's in God's will, but it's not in His timing, and you're, you're trying to cheat and go ahead before it's time. It's one of the reasons we have problems with, with some of the, what we call prosperity gospel preachers. They, they tell you that Jesus wants you to be rich and wants you to be happy and live a lifestyle that, that you desire. Yes, God wants you to be happy, but He did not promise you riches beyond, beyond your imagination. Jesus is your riches. He's promised you things in the kingdom to come. He never said it would be on this earth where Satan dwells. He, he said you will be enemies, that you are no longer of this world. And so what those preachers do, they, they twist truth to entice you. It's a temptation of the devil. We need to, to be aware when these temptations are put before us. So this first temptation that we, we see with Jesus is to go against his Father's will. So I'd ask you to, to pray about and consider what, what God, God's will is for your life. Don't take the easy way. The hard way will bring God glory. Satan will, will be there and he will tempt you to take shortcuts. It's easy to take shortcuts. Something that I, I talk with other, other pastors about, a, a real temptation for preachers is to just go on the internet and download a sermon so you don't have to spend any time in study. That is a devil of a shortcut. It's sinful. May that never happen in this church. God will tempt you with different shortcuts. Don't take them. No, I'm sorry. The devil will tempt you with shortcuts. Don't take them. God, it says in the Word, that God will tempt no man. God will test you and it's a good thing to be tested by God because He's preparing you for, for what His will has for you. 
So we need to remember to, to resist the temptation to go against God's will. That's number one. And understand, these are progressive. When Jesus beat this first temptation, Satan had a follow-up. And here it is. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all the authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, Is it written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Think about that. What what has Jesus been offered? He has been offered every kingdom on the entire earth. And Satan's right. It was in his authority at that time to give it to him. And is Jesus not the king of all kings? Is this not a promise that is going to come to pass for Jesus? What is Satan offering him again? He's not offering him something that, that Jesus doesn't desire. Jesus desires that day when he will reign as king forever. And we will reign with him when we will be there worshiping with him. And what does Satan do? He offers a shortcut by a few thousand years and says, I'll give it to you all now. Just worship me instead of your father. Just a small little sacrifice, huh? Small little compromise and you could have it all. And there, there are, are, are men and women out there who would gladly bow down and take Satan's offer. But Jesus knew what was at stake. What's at stake? Your soul and my soul. Jesus knew that he had to resist that temptation. We could re- read here from Deuteron- this His response comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 through 16. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Pretty harsh words there, huh? You are not to worship any other god. And understand what, what the temptation Satan is, is offering Jesus here. and saying, you Jesus are the Messiah, therefore you are God. You God worship me. It has been Satan's desire for a long period of time since before the fall is to be worshipped. Not only does he desire to be worshipped by mankind and creation, he has now asked God himself to worship him. Is there a higher blasphemy in all the world? that has ever been written, than to ask God himself to bow down and to worship you. Understand our enemy. He has no level of arrogance or pride that we can measure. It is, it is off the charts. And we can look around at, at people that we think are arrogant and prideful. In our Sunday school class, we're talking about royalty and what, what we usually think of, of royals. And usually it's arrogance and pompous and looking down at people thinking they're, they're better than others. But you haven't seen anything Unless you look at Satan. He is so far above and beyond that level of arrogance. He, he doesn't understand the, the, the epitome of, of his sin, how far it's gone. So what here would be the temptation that he's offering Jesus? You should recognize it in your own life. The temptation is, is to get Jesus not to submit to the will of God. Oftentimes we'll, we'll describe what does it mean to be a Christian. It means to submit. It means to be obedient. It means to obey what God has called us. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. Can we really say we love Jesus if we will not submit to him as Lord, if we will, if we will not obey him? 
It's kind of like have, having your children at home. They, they, they know what the rules are, and they're going to cro cross those lines, and they should expect consequences. But what happens if that continues on? It's cute when they're two and three, not so much when they're teenagers. What about when they get in their early 20s? They're still not listening, still not obeying. Do your children love you? Their actions say no. Maybe there's, there's an emotional attachment there that, that they will say yes. But our actions show what we really believe. We often will talk about that. We believe that this is the word of God. Does everyone in here believe that? I, I hope so. I pray so. What will tell me is that, that you believe this is the word of God is how you live your life. If you live your life according to what scripture has commanded you to, that will show that you actually believe that is the word of God. When, when we read passages like that one um, from, from Deuteronomy, where it says, And the Lord your God will be kindled against you and destroy you from off the face of the earth. That is what will happen if you go after other gods. God said, I will destroy you. You will be removed from this earth. That means death. And you'll be sent to hell. That is what happens when, when people reject Jesus Christ and follow after their own gods. But there's people out there that don't want us to say that because it's uncomfortable. But that's what the Word of God says. I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. Not really. But <laughs> it's the Word of God. It is, it is what it is. You don't got to answer to me. You got to answer to Him. And so we see Jesus. He, he's fighting this, this temptation that Satan offers. And this is a, a mighty temptation. If you look in Matthew's account, he puts this temptation as last. Why? Because in Matthew's theme, this has a bigger significance because Matthew is writing to the Gentiles. The Gentiles wouldn't care as much about him jumping off the temple, but they would care about him being the king over the entire world. It's something they could comprehend and understand. But Luke is the author who tells us uh, to his friend, O Theophilus, I have put this account together so you may have an accurate account of the events that happened. So Luke is the one who seeks to put them not in order of a thematic outline, but an outline of the actual events that happened. So with Luke, we, we see this, and he wants us to, to realize that Jesus resists the temptation because this is not God's will, not his timing in this. Jesus knows that the Father is going to give him all the kingdoms of the earth. Not Satan, but his father will give that to them. But it means he has to be patient and he has to endure. There's going to be good times ahead for this church, but there will be times where we have to patiently endure as we, we go through those things. If we want a quick fix tomorrow to have 200 people in here, that's not going to be of God. That's not how God works. Because God works at one heart at a time. We pray we want a revival. We, we, want, a, we want to see God move in this community. Amen? We, we should want to see that in our family's lives and everyone's lives. But you know what a revival is? A lot of times people look back on history and say, man, there was, there was a period of revival or a great awakening at that time and, and all these people came to faith. But there were all these people individually, one by one, who came to faith. One by one who had to become disciples and walk after Jesus. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long period of time, a long period of prayer. Every great movement of God has always been preceded by prayer. As with what God will do with this church, we'll be preceded by prayer. So as, as we, we consider these things that, that they faced, I want us to think about the temptations that, that we have to, to not su su submit to God's will. 
we just shared a mighty testimony of, of Dar Darren's mom, our, our dear Juanita. Most of us call her mama or granny here. Uh, the mighty testimony she had this week that she is now in remission of cancer. I could tell you over the last several months, I've seen a woman struggle spiritually both good and bad. There's days where she was on fire like, I'm going to beat this cancer. And you could tell the days where the devil was in the ear saying, God's taking your husband home. It's your time now. Just give up. No, don't give up. We have a race to run. You don't run the race and go through this marathon and all of a sudden see the finish line and stop. Who runs a race like that? Not a Christian. Somebody who's letting the devil get to them. But praise God, she did not let the devil get to her. She was calling me and calling others I know, and I got that phone call, and she's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, uh-oh. What happened now? And she's like, and I can hear the tearfulness in her voice saying, my cancer's in remission. And I prayed right there with her, praising God. It's a wonderful testimony. And there, there are going to be many other testimonies. We have That's a huge testimony. We have some smaller testimonies. I know Shar has a testimony. I know Jeannie has a testimony. I'll let them share that on their own time. But, we'll, but God has given us those opportunities. And it's in those moments, what are we going to do? Are we going to trust God in, in, in His will? Or are we going to freak out? Are we going to let the devil get in and us... Not depend on God. And that's number three. The third temptation is to depend, is to stop us from depending on God. Let's look here. Starting in verse 9. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. I want you to imagine this. The, the holy temple, the Solomon's temple, the very pinnacle. You, you see Jesus standing up top and he throws himself off. And there would have been a crowd of worshipers day and night at the temple. And all of a sudden you see heaven open up, angels swooping down and saving him and setting him down. What would have happened if Satan would have gotten Jesus to do that? The people that were watching would have made him the Messiah, that would have made him the king right then and there, and he never would have gone to the cross for you, and you and I would be still be dead in our sins. Yes, they'd be free from Rome. Guess what? They're free from Rome now. So what is that, that temptation? Is that temptation to get you not to depend on God? Get you to say, I can do it. Or get you to say, how are we going to get through this? You're going to get through it with the power of God. That's how. You need to trust in Him in all things. I don't care what you're facing. Cancer, it's been beaten. Finances, that's been beaten over and over and over again. What is it? What are you facing that God can't do? There's not one of you facing anything here that God can't handle. The one who spoke the world into existence, that is your God. What is it that you face that he can't handle? There's not a thing you could even imagine facing that he can't handle. If God could conquer Satan through a cross, he could conquer whatever you're facing. He requires one thing of you, that your faith is in him not yourself, not your friend down the street, not the government, not anything else, but your faith is in Him. You rely on Him to provide what you need. Our dependence should always be on God. Jesus answers this temptation from Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
God will provide for you. Do not provoke God. It's not smart. I mean, there's many, especially in the Old Testament, many who have tried to provoke God and, and seen his wrath. I do not recommend it. It's not pleasurable. I'll show one story when I was a kid. I think it's the only time that I can recollect that I put God to the test. And it's a... Uh, I didn't really understand Jesus at the time, but I, I understood there was a God at this moment. It was, uh, I was nine years old. I had been living with my, my grandfather. He was the one that provided for me for about the last three years. He died a horrible death from emphysema. Go to his, his funeral and mourn him. And so the, as a little child, I'm like, okay, who am I going to live with now? And so I see my, my, my dad didn't show up for the funeral. They had some tension there. So I see my uncles and things and cousins. And one by one, everyone leaves. Some strange lady comes up to me and says, you're going to live with us now, or you're going to be your foster parents. That was tough enough by itself. So I went through this real emotional rage type, type thing as a, as a nine-year-old. And I remember they lived out in, uh, outside of Princeton, Illinois, dirt, dirt roads and everything. And so I was riding my bicycle out there, and, and I was going up and down these hills. And, and there was this one hill that was the highest hill of them all, and I wanted to go down it. And for whatever reason, you know, I decided I was going to take it out on God. So I went down, and I kept, I kept falling down as I, I'd go down. And then, you know, after a few times of this, I, I looked up to heaven, and I said, God, I understand why you took my grandfather, but if you don't let me go down this hill, I'm going to blaspheme your name. And so, as the nine-year-old I am, I go down the hill, and I wipe out, and then I scream God at the top of my lungs, official blasphemy. I should have been struck down there, but God is gracious, to a point. You'll see where the story goes. I get back up that hill, try one more time. The bike snaps in half. I go flying, covered in that pea gravel nastiness with dirt and all up in the, the sores. I, I was bleeding from the tip of my head down to my toe. And that's when I learned you, you don't mess with God. You do not put him to the test. Because he is more than able to answer. And so I, I want us all to think, think about this in our lives. When, 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 we, when we are tempted by God, and you'll be tempted in these same areas. Scripture is clear. This, this was not something new. Satan had perfected his craft of tempting because this is what Satan does. He views you as an enemy because God loves you. God loves you dearly. I pray you all know that. But this is what Satan does. He comes to you. He tempts you in an area of weakness. It will first be in an area of, are you going to follow God's will? Or you're not. God says to do this and you want to, or not to do this and you want to do the opposite. And Satan will tempt you there. And then he will, he will tempt you in, in the area, are you going to submit to God? And then he will tempt you in the, in the area, are you going to depend on God? Regardless of what three you're going to fall into, where you're going to fail, the first thing Satan does is accuse you to the Father. And says, see, he has sinned, he is deserving of death. But praise God, we have one seated at the right hand of the Father, who is our advocate. And he says, I paid for it on the cross. That sin has already been paid for. God's wrath cannot fall on you for that sin. Now we, we all are in our physical bodies. We will face, face that day where we all die physically. The wages of sin is death. Nobody gets, no one gets out of that. But what we see, Satan has a pattern. And he had it perfected by the time he tried it with Jesus. But did Jesus give in? No. We can never say to God, Well, I'm a sinner, so I sinned. Yes, we, 
we have temptation to sin. It's part of our flesh that's at war with itself right now. Jesus said to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh, it is indeed weak. But never can we say, well, I have to sin because my flesh is weak and I have this sinful nature. Just because you have a sinful nature doesn't mean you have to sin. You can resist these temptations. And in doing so, you will glorify God and you will walk closer with Him. And I encourage you to examine, examine our, our lives together as a church and as individual people. The closer you walk with God, the more severe you will notice the intensity of the attacks by Satan. Because he wants to topple you before you can accomplish what God has called you to do. In my time here, we, we've done 22 baptisms. I've warned just about everyone that they are going to be attacked spiritually. That the devil does not want to see them being baptized. He does not want God getting any glory for it. And so what happens? In nearly every case, I got a call that week saying, I'm going through all that. I don't understand what's going on. Like the, my, my entire life is coming unraveled. I'm like, I told you it would happen. I'm sure Mike and others can, can Darren can test as you become a deacon or a preacher or a pastor, that's going to get more severe. You have to be ready for it. You have to put on that spiritual armor that Paul talks about in Ephesians. We, we can't go through life and like, oh, where'd that come from? Satan's attacking me. Understand we are at war with Satan. He desires to devour us, to kill us. But even more than that, he desires to ruin us. He desires to ruin your testimony for Christ. He desires to ruin me, to ruin this church. That's why we're under siege. It is a good thing. No one, no one is ever attacked by the devil because they are nothing. You are something to God. And the devil knows it. The devil may not individually fear you, but he fears the one you pray to. You have more power in your prayer than all the power Satan has ever had. Understand, Satan is not God. He is not all-knowing. He does not know the plans that God has for your life. He knows that God's Spirit is upon you and He wants to bring you down. He is not all-seeing. He, he can't be in all places at the same time. Satan is limited like any angel is limited. He does not have the powers of God. Yes, we, we battle a mighty foe, but that foe is already defeated. Abba Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the blessings you give us, Lord. I thank you for your holy word. I pray you be with us and watch over us. If there's any sin in our hearts, Lord, allow us to confess it to you now before the Lord's table. I pray if there's any here who do not know you, Lord, or anyone who will be listening to this message online later, Lord, if, if they do not know you, allow them this time to, to confess you in their hearts, to, to make you Lord. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.